Ah, Baruch Hashem Yahuwah. So, what a blessing to be here at the Feast of Tabernacles. And I know for many of you, this is brand new this year with us. I'm hoping that you did get to review some homework, 2017, the Feast of Tabernacles. Because last year, we spent a huge amount of time going through the division of man. Because really, Yahweh wants us to understand that we are a tripartite being consisting of Ruach, spirit, which is supposed to govern us. Then we have who you are as a person, your nefesh, your soul, and then, of course, your carnal, fleshly man. And there is an order to things. Of course, the world, as we know it, has got everything inverted. And when people have problems, they go and talk to psychologists or psychiatrists. And they will never get true healing. Why? Because it is dealing with the psyche, addressing the soul of man and the flesh of man, the passions of man, and negating the fact that man is called to be a spirit being. But all of us are locked inside these bodies. So we're building catch-up time upon last year's teaching, which I hope that we can understand. Now, the difference is, the blessing is, we get to spend eight days together at the Feast of Tabernacles. So, in saying that, this isn't going to be some deep study over the next days. Not to point. actually meant to be in because I really desire to have intimate connection with people too not to be misjudged which is a huge thing that happens to me oftentimes but to actually people to just maybe pause and and get to know me because I desire this connection don't we all desire connection I don't want you to look at my flesh I don't want you even to look at my soul I want you to try and connect with who I am as a spiritual man because that's what drives me. And I think that's what drives you all. But we want to help one another unlock it, right? I hate myself when I act in my flesh. I can't stand myself when my soulish passions are consuming my day. I love the person that I am when I'm connected to Yahweh, getting revealed and being who I should be as a human being, as a husband, as somebody that enjoys and has a passion and a desire to communicate the gospel, the message, the word. That's when I'm in the spirit. I can't stand the other two parts of my being. I'm just being honest with you. I think you guys most probably feel the same thing. I have a title. I love titles. 
of this week's message at the Feast of Tabernacles 2018. Excuse my voice, I'm trying this new thing, this kind of deep, husky kind of thing. Do you like it? I'm I'm trying it on this week. We'll see how it goes. The title, Pressing pressing and Purification. And of course I get this from the Bible. Agricultural parables throughout the Bible. Think of olive presses. Think of wine jars, fruit and bounty and joy. None of this happens without the olive being crushed and pressed. The wine doesn't come forth flowing unless there is a crushing and a pressing. Ultimately, I think Yahuwah wants us to reveal that when bad things happen to good people, if you listen to my message just a few days ago, it comes at a cost of brokenness. The world draws back at brokenness, flees from brokenness, says brokenness is a bad thing. But I think that Yahuwah actually wants us to tune in to the benefits of true brokenness. I'm not talking about being some broken, decrepit person. I'm talking about Yahuwah has put us on this planet I'm not going to say it. Yahweh has put us on this earth for as long as he has determined because ultimately he wants to break you of your natural, carnal, selfish man. He wants to break you of your selfish, soulish desires. That's even deeper than the natural flesh. Some people spend their whole life And they're just living in the carnal. Sometimes people have a little brokenness in their life and they do actually start to be a little bit more introspective. And maybe Yahweh gets to touch their nefesh, their soul. But as believers, that is not good enough for you. You have failed your divine mission of being placed here on this earth if you only allowed Yahweh to break you in your flesh for him to touch your soul. Because he has something far more for us and that he wants to peel back the layer of the flesh to reveal the soul so that he can peel back the layer of the soul to really get you to become a Ruach being, a spirit-filled being. Because that's where the power is. That's where the power is over all of the brokenness. All of the brokenness. And that people that are unbroken are faking. Because there is no such one. They've just masked it real good. We call them band-aids in England. Plasters in England, you call them band-aid here. They're full of plasters. They've just plastered. It's like plaster of Paris. So anyway, Yahuwah wants us to be dualistic beings, not single beings. We're going to be looking at a Greek word and a couple of Hebrew words today. I think you'll be um, familiar with them. The Greek word is mulos, mulos, and it comes from the Hebrew word moach or chaleb, chaleb. It's called fat, really better marrow. The Greek word in the New Testament, it is called mules, 
But it comes, and we'll find its first mention in the Torah, which is huge. We'll get there today. Its Hebrew derivative is, of course, the Hebrew word moach and chaleb. chaleb. There's a couple of other Hebrew words that are also used for fat or marrow, but not primarily. One of those is called shechei, shechei, and another one is called machah, machah. But they're secondary derivatives. So, today we're going to look at a few texts. Turn with me, if you will, to Iob, Job chapter 21. Love the book of Job. <clears throat> Who's ever got depressed? None of you. That's always when I'm feeling self-pity, which of course I never do because I'm perfect, I go to the book of Job. I've studied the book of Job so many times because I've been filled with so much self-pity in times of my life. And I always come out feeling so much better about myself. I think Yahweh has a sense of humor. Our outward man is truly formidable. But our outward man is actually truly a formidable hindrance to Yahuwah. Whoever you're portraying to the rest of the world is your biggest downfall. That whole like image you've got going on, you know what it is, we've all got one. A whole persona that we portray to others. That is your biggest hindrance with your relationship to Yahuwah. It is detrimental to your spiritual life. But you spend, and I'm saying you, it's because you're down there and I'm up here, but I'm just, I'm with you guys. I'm just, you know, right now I'm up here, but I could jump down here. That was pretty good, wasn't it? Jump down here. Because I'm the same. We're in the same. The whole thing is, it's a formidable hindrance to Yahuwah. Yahuwah is restricted by your flesh, my flesh, and he's restricted by your soul and my soul. Why is it that so few people understand you? Yes, you. I'm just picking on you. Why is it so many people get nervous when I do that? Why is it that so few people understand me? All of us, right? Think of all the humanity that you've come in touch with. How many people really understand you? Once you start sharing, Danan, oversharing, um, then, you know, <clears throat> people are like, wow, what an odd person. Don't understand him. Are you, why are you moving? Because you think I'm going to pick on you? Because now you are right in my sights. I mean, like right there. His beard's beautiful and big, but it's not going to hide you. Why do so few people comprehend what Yahweh has revealed to you and I? I mean, really, especially as the road narrows, especially as we understand the Malkitzedic priesthood, and you're like, how come so? It's not that complicated. How come so few people can comprehend this? Then we start talking about other deep things that are important in our faith, like the difference and distinction between the book of the covenant and the book of the law. How come so many few people understand these concepts that are so apparent in the Bible, and then you become even harder and harder to comprehend and understand we do in our faith? Job, Iob, chapter 21, verse 24. Let's just turn there. We won't spend much time there. 
but it's a good jumping off point. Of course, this is at this point in the narrative, Job is kind of having some discourse with the wicked. He's like, you know, I'm just going to lay it on thick with the wicked because this is happening to me, but what about the wicked? And we get to the 24th verse, and he says this in, in verse 22. Can anyone teach Elohim knowledge since he judges those on high? One dies in his full strength, being wholly at ease and secure. His pails, I like that translation, his pails are full of milk, and the marrow, the Greek word there is mules, but in the Hebrew it is actually either moach or cheleb, and the marrow of his bones is moist, Another man dies in the bitterness of his soul, never having eaten with pleasure. They lie down alike in the dust, and worms cover them. What we're talking about here is Yahweh, as Job is looking at the carnal wicked man, Job's gone through a lot. He's understanding as his body is, he's using a pot's herd and scraping his body. He's realizing that his flesh is decaying, it profits him little. Regardless of what's happening in his flesh, he's an encouragement to all of us because he still transcends his flesh. He even transcends his soul even though at times he does have some self-pity, like all of us, he eventually transcends that and he realizes that what is going to sustain him, what is going to enable him to endure, is his ruach, his spirit man connection with Yahweh. Am I right? But what he identifies here in the 24th verse is that many, many that do not have that intimate connection with Yahuwah, they've only been able to die, look at the text, digest the milk of his word. Paul builds on this later in the New Testament. They're on the milk of the word. They're looking at the simple things. They're approaching the word through their natural man. And therefore, just like a newborn babe, they are not able to stomach the deeper things of the word so they are stuck on the milk of the word. The problem with that, read the text, is that their nefeshim, their souls, by the end of their days, their relationship with Yahweh when they're old men and old women, has actually becoming bitter. Their nefeshim, their souls, become bitter because Yahweh has not lived up to their expectations. Their relationship with Yahweh has not met their expectations. And they start to play the blame game with Yahweh. But the reality of it is, they never transcended their flesh or their soul. Because nobody ever taught them. Nobody ever taught them. And they're wondering, while they're old men and old women, I thought my relationship with Yahweh would have transcended me more than this. Why? They become bitter souls. In fact, it affects their body. Their bones become weak. Look at the text. And 
because they've become so obsessed with what they portray to humanity, the body image, right? Right? Did you like that? The body image. They become so obsessed with their outward presentation of their body image, they've actually never eaten a good meal in pleasure. Doesn't it say that in the text? Every time they're having a, mo- a, a, a meal, they're, they're concerned about there's going to be too many calories and it's going to go somewhere they don't want it to go. Right? That's Hollywood for you, isn't it? You know, I'm being a little funny, but you can see within the text how there is a division now with the tripartite being of body, flesh, carnal man, soul. Yes, but Yahweh wants us to go into the spirit realm. Because when we navigate through the flesh, when we navigate this life through the flesh and soul, the veil is never pierced. The veil is never pierced. Understanding can never truly be gained because the man that... Listen, because, the, because you need the answer to some of the questions why your family just doesn't get it. And they could be Christians. They could have been raised in a Bible community. They could have been raised in a Christian culture. But they just don't. Why are you causing such trouble to your family? Why do you have to do this? Why? Why do you have to be such a pill when it comes to December? Why? 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 Why do you do that? Can't you just come along to get along? And you're like, I am not crossing those boundaries. I'm not doing it. Oh, you are such a... It's tough, it's tough. Well, here's the reason. The veil has never been pierced. The understanding never gained because the man that comes to the Bible with his mind already set. Oh yeah, they might read the Bible. The man or woman who comes to the Bible with his mind already set, he reads the Bible to support his preconceived ideas and the spirit of Yahweh thus evades the man of his life. All of his life. You are banging your head against a brick wall with a person like that. There is nothing that you can do. The only way is if Yahweh breaks through the veil of that person. You can't do it. I can't do it. It is Yahweh. Will he break through the veil of that person. But if they love the world and life is good and, you know, they've got a good body image and everything. Why? why? They're not even willing to let that veil be broken. There's no problem in their lives. Why? It's the brokenness in us that desires to have Yahweh penetrate. But you in America, us in the West, we have been taught that brokenness is equated with weakness. When in fact, it's converse. It's the very strength that Yahweh desires from his people. 
There is not one man or woman in the Bible that Yahweh didn't use that he didn't break. And those that refused to be broken, strong and projected it outward, were crushed by the Almighty. Herod, Saul, Pharaoh, on and on and on. Oh, they're strong, but they're weak. Because true strength comes from brokenness. But the world tells you that you're weak. But in fact, that is the very thing that is, makes you strong. But you've got to stop looking at yourself like the world does. Everything's topsy-turvy. Everything's topsy-turvy. So, we have to understand that sometimes you've got to allow Yahweh to work in those family members, those friendships, those relationships. Because if a person, even if they're a Bible reader, if they approach the Bible to support their preconceived ideas, then the spirit of Yahweh, that is the only thing that can change a person. It's the spirit of Yahweh. And the spirit of Yahweh will evade that man or woman all, all the days of their life unless there is no hope for them unless there is a breaking. Unless there is a breaking and the breaking must come through the inner man. The inner man. Turn with me to Psalm 63, verse 5. Psalm 63. I don't mean to be dramatic, but simple, yes, thank you. Simplicity sometimes with these big Bible concepts can really break through to us. Psalm 63, of course, this is talking that David is expressing. David was a man that we think of as a man with great strength. Right? Out there with the sheep, out there conquering Goliath. He was a kid. He was scared. In fact, if you look and study his life, his life was one of brokenness. His family was broken. It was broken apart generationally. He wasn't happy with his wife. He had to have, like, a few, right? And then Solomon inherited that trait and um, took it to the next level, like, you know, horses and stables. I mean, crazy land. So we look and we see in the psalm, in Psalm 63, verse 5, it says, in verse 3, because your loving kindness is better than life, Yahweh wants something better for us, my lips shall praise you, Thus I will bless you while I live. I will lift up my hands in your name. My nefesh, my soul, shall be satisfied as with, there's that Hebrew word again, moach or chelev, as with marrow and fatness, synonymous. And my mouth shall praise you with joyful lips. So ask yourself this. Are you using the Bible for your own ends? Or has your deliberation been integrated into the thought of the Bible? Right? 
Because the ones that have argued with me over the years, I've realized there's a lack of spirit and their approach to the Bible is they're using the Bible to the deliberation for their own ends. Now I just don't, I avoid it because I see that I can't change that. Well, I thought I used to be able to fight with it. But then I realized that was just my soulish man trying to get victory. But I can't get the victory. Only Yahweh through the Spirit can get that kind of victory, right? So these are the questions that we need to ask. Is your thought consistent with the religion of Christianity, Don? Or is your thought consistent with the thought of the Bible? Is your thought life consistent with the religion of Judaism? Or is your thought life consistent with the Bible? Because integrating our thoughts with the thought of the Bible necessitates the breaking of the outward man. Religion will not allow the outward man to be broken. It's only when we reject the streams of religion and we approach the Scriptures as they are that the Scriptures then, through the Spirit as you read it, will actually break you. Will actually break you down. Will actually break you down. Turn with me <clears throat> to Proverbs, Mishle, Proverbs chapter 3. So, don't think your Bible reading is poor if you're struggling. Don't, oh, you've got to read more Bible, read more Bible, read. Don't think your Bible reading is poor because of a lack of instruction. You're not understanding. The defect is actually in us because of our opinionated thoughts haven't been subdued to Yahuwah. So people can read more and more and more Bible, but they'll still never understand what is being taught from this ministry or what you're teaching, if what? Their opinionated thoughts haven't been subdued by Yahuwah. Right? It's just more religious opinion. Churches are full of people with religious opinion. Synagogues are full of people with Religious opinion. We're a different breed. been programmed to say globe, but I'm not going to, earth that is able, Hebrews tells us in the fourth chapter and the twelfth verse, to do what? It's the only thing that is able to actually dissect and divide the tripartite being. You can go see a doctor. You can go and take all the drugs in the world. You can go and drink all the alcohol in the world. You can go and have all of the fornication in the world. You can go and see every psychologist, every psychiatrist, 
You can go and get into the occult and do tarot card reading and all that wicked abomination that Yahuwah hates, and you'll still never get any peace because the only way that you can actually break free and be broken is letting the word of Yahuwah divide and cut asunder between the flesh, cast it off, the soul, subdue it, and then let the spirit really soar. The word of Yahuwah is the only thing on the planet that can actually do that. The only thing. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that amazing? So, let's look at Proverbs chapter 3. We turn there. <clears throat> my son, do not forget my Torah, but let your heart keep my mitzvot, my commandment, for the length of days and for long life. And shalom they will add to you. Let not mercy, rachamin, and truth forsake you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart and find favor and high esteem in the sight of Yahuwah and man. Trust in Yahuwah with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he shall direct your paths. Do not be wise in your own opinion. Fear Yahuwah. Depart from iniquity it will be health to your outward man and it will actually strengthen your inward man, the, the marrow. And the marrow is where the blood is and the DNA is formed. So this is now going to transcend the flesh and the soul and get into a deeper level. In Proverbs chapter 3, if we look at it, Yahweh is saying, when you come into the understanding of covenant Torah and you start to keep the commands of Yahuwah, where? On your heart, because you understand it has to penetrate and there has to be a circumcision of heart, then it's going to produce a long beneficial life of peace in you. And then what's going to happen is rachamin and emet, mercy and truth, it's going to permeate your relationships. Look at the text. It's going to actually be your very life cord. It's going to be around your neck. You know, if somebody tries to strangle you, you're pretty much done. It's going to be your life cord. It's going to be around your very neck. It's going to be pumping through your jugular and permeating every aspect of your being. It's going to be the lifeline or the great stream that Yahweh is going to bring into your life. This is what he wants for us. Humbleness and a fear of Yahuwah brings health in your body. It brings health to the marrow, which is where all of everything permeates up from. And all that happens is when you can start to make the division between the selfish, carnal self or the soulish, argumentative, self-righteous self and allow yourself to be governed by the Spirit, the Ruach. So, as this is the opening teaching of the week, you'll get to look around, you'll get to see and wonder and go, well, where are some of my friends? Why aren't my family here? What's going on? Well, unless people allow themselves to be broken by Yahuwah, they're not going to get 
what you're starting and I'm starting to understand. Look at Isaiah chapter 25, verse 6. It's not until the outward man is broken can we enter into the thought of Yahweh's word. It's not until the outer man is broken can we enter into the thought of Yahweh's word. Isaiah 25, verse 6. Isaiah, in the Hebrew, Yeshayahu, 25, verse 6. I'll go in verse 4. For you have been a strength to the poor, <clears throat> a strength to the needy in distress, a refuge from the storm, a shade from the heat, from the blast of the terrible ones as a storm against the wall. You will reduce the noise of aliens as heat in a dry place, as heat in the shadow of a cloud. The song of the terrible ones will be diminished. And in this mountain, Yahweh of hosts will make for all people a feast. You're at the feast, right? You're at the feast. He will make a feast of choice pieces. A feast of wines on the leaves and of fat things full of chaleb, marrow, or moach, marrow. It's gonna affect your marrow. The Ruach HaKodesh, look at the text, will bring down a strong city. You know that man who's full of the pride of life? He's the strong soul with the perfectly chiseled body. Appearance to body. Yahweh desires a strong city. He desires to bring down that strong city because it is in fact, look at the text, a foreign house. Meaning that's how he engages with the pagan nations. Right? That outwards appearance it spent so much time because that's how he engages, makes contracts with the pagan nations. That's what consumes the man's life. Or maybe a little bit is left for Yahweh. A few cursory reads of the Bible to be right as the man or the woman approaches it with their own preconceived ideas, not willing to be broken, not willing to let the word break and rule them. They must rule the word with their intellect, logic, and reason. That's not what Yahweh has for us. That's why we're so different. That's why we're so different. Because Yahweh desires to bring down that strong city. Because that strong city is what engages with the pagan nations. It becomes a foreign house full of paganism. And Yahweh says right there in Isaiah 25 verse 6, what? That it will in fact be no more. It will come to its end. It will come to its end, just as Job said. But, the poor in Ruach, the poor in spirit, who have allowed themselves to be broken, there is a brokenness, there has been a distress in their life. What's going to happen to them? They're going to go to the feasts. 
They're going to get the choice cups. They are in fact going to allow Yahweh to touch their marrow. That's what it says in Isaiah 25 verse 6. And the only way that that can happen is if there has been a division. A division from your flesh. And your soul isn't even good enough. Might be good enough for Deepak Chopra. But it ain't good enough for Bible believers. Right? You can do all that nonsense all your life. All those little gurus. The best they're going to ever get is to your soul. Which is not good enough. Which is why all of these religions fail. These Eastern religions. You can yogi yourself all night long. And the most that's going to happen is you're going to have a sword and your soul might be touched by a demon, right? It's not going to touch your spirit because you need a division that only the word of Yahuwah can do. No yogi can do that. Not even yogi bear. <clears throat> so every day that I'm depending upon Yahuwah's grace, and living by his mercy, that dependence then keeps me connected with Yahuwah's spirit. It's really why we see in the Bible, of course, the pressing, the crushing, whether it be the wine grapes, whether it be the olive press, all of this brings about purification down to the very core of the fruit. And when you're talking about humanity, the core of us is in fact, Yahuwah wants to change your DNA. He does. And he can. But only through his spirit. Connecting with your spirit. Only through his spirit. Connecting through your spirit. All accomplished this Well, quantum physics is rooted in the tabernacle. Quantum physics is rooted in the Bible. And then it gets exported to the pagan nations and they corrupt it and twist it and pervert it. But it has its origins back in the tabernacle, which has its origins in the heavens, right? Yahweh brings it down and he wants to bring it down to you and I. Through a quantum change in your spirit, this is a top-down quantum physics. The innermost man, the spirit. Then you have the outer man, which is the soul. And then you have the outermost man, which is the body. All of this is akin to the innermost man, the spirit, is the holy of holies. That's where you connect with Yahweh. But the soul... Well, that's the holy place. You can only get so far. And this thing, that outer body image, that's where you engage with the pagan nations. It's the court of the Gentiles. And that's where the world wants you to live. Because that's where commerce exists. 
And that's what most people spend their life chasing. Right? Trafficking. Thank you. Trading, Ezekiel 28. Come out from the court of the Gentiles. Break through the holy place and come into the holy of holies and there you'll find that you will find true peace and spiritual enlightenment. Hebrews chapter 4 verse 12 tells us that the word divides the tripartite man. The soul, though, has been seduced. All of our souls have been seduced, led captive, and darkened and poisoned by our own self-interest. What's the first mention of this Hebrew word that is translated into, in our English Bibles, marrow? Marrow. Because this is where it all happens. And there's only one thing, like I said, in the whole world that is able to divide the tripartite being, which is the word of Yahuwah. And when you allow the word of Yahuwah to actually separate you, divide you into three, and then allow your spirit to govern you, then you have actually transcended into incorruptible flesh. And the way that happens is you will actually, the Bible says, when you've done that, then there will be a full restoration in your body of all 12 tribes, because we're talking about Israel, you are Israel, and when that happens, it's happened after an exile, it's happened after a breakup in your relationships with your family and friends, and it's been healed because you have taken the steps in your life to walk point and live an example to those around you, and ultimately, there's going to be a restoration of all 12 tribes in your life, and you will lead your family into the fatness, the Bible says, of the land. And I'm not making this up. I'll actually give you the law of first mention of marrow in the Bible. Let's turn there together, because I think you might think I'm making this up. Of course, the Hebrew word for marrow is chaleb, chaleb. Genesis chapter 45, 18. Children of Israel have gone down into Egypt. No, back up, I'm fast forwarding. They decided to throw Joseph in a pit and make some money off him, sell him to the Ishmaelites, send him down into Egypt. Everything goes wrong. The brothers, the father, Jacob, the family decimated. Jacob goes through the great tribulation. Then they bring the garment and they think that it's Joseph. He thinks it's Joseph's blood on it. That's Jacob's great tribulation. He's absolutely broken and broken and broken. But what happens, we know Joseph, of course, ultimately brings all of the brothers together. And when that happens and there is a reunification in the body, then when Genesis chapter 45 verse 18 Let's turn there. You will find that's where the marrow happens. That's where the marrow happens. Genesis 45, Pharisee. Forty-five, 
And it says in verse 16, Now the report of it was heard in Pharaoh's house, saying, Joseph's brothers have come. So it pleased Pharaoh and his servants well. And Pharaoh said to Joseph, Say to your brothers, do this. Load your animals and depart. Go into the land of Canaan. Bring your father and your households and come to me. I will give you the fat of the land of Egypt and you will eat the fat of the land. You get to partake of the marrow, the goodness. That can only happen after a division, a recognition of the division, and then understanding that only the spirit of Yahuwah can allow you to comprehend that that division is for a purpose so that you can connect to the marrow, the fat of the land. Does that make sense? Because this is Hebrews 4.12 connected back to its root. It's on steroids. Because this is how you divide and conquer your outward man and your soul and bring full harmony and eat the fatness of the land. It's the marrow meaning of the word. The inward man has to break through the outward man. The spirit is supposed to wear the soul and the soul is supposed to wear the body. This is the creator's wardrobe for mankind, but you're putting your underpants on last and you look ridiculous. How about that? And, and you're in the back envisioning it, aren't you? The two leeches, I guarantee you, are envisioning me up here in my jeans with my underpants on the outside. Leave it to those two. I can tell. I know it. <clears throat> You know it. It, it. It's so true. The apple does not fall far from the tree when you get to know these men. <laughs> what did you say? And you look good. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> Excuse me while I eat a candy. <clears throat> Proverbs, Mishlei, chapter 20, verse 27. The spirit of man is the menorah, the candle of Yahweh. Meaning, Yahweh is going to look through you and search you if you allow his spirit to connect with your spirit. All of that stuff that's bothering us and holds us back in life, Yahweh will search it out of us if we connect spiritually with him. The spirit of man is the candle of Yahweh. If we don't connect with our spirit, then Yahweh's never going to be able to do what he put you on this planet Earth for to do. Now I'm really looking at you. Who was it? Somebody came up to me today. Was, oh, it's you, brother, in the back. And you said, he said to me, so, um, do you believe in the flat Earth? Because... You always kind of like poke fun at it. And I said, oh no, no, I'm not poking fun at it. 
I'm poking fun at Dana. And every time an opportunity comes to poke fun at Dana, I always do it. So when we arrived here yesterday, you'll see my son thinks he's an action man commando. Well, really, he's, you know, he's got the earpiece and, the, the, and he's really proud of that. I picked up the radio and I was like, breaker, breaker. Danan, there's somebody up here that is convinced that we're on a globe and that Shabbat starts on a Tuesday and we are on a lunar calendar. Over. Over. And that's all I said. So. <laughs> see, we're at Sukkot. You get to see the silly me. Psalm 18, verse 28. For thou will light my menorah, my candle. Yahweh, my Elohim, will enlighten my darkness. My wife destroyed it. But we used to have this picture of me. Serious. When she first met me, I had this big, and, and don't, Greg, don't say anything about my looks or anything. Or you, you said that I've really aged since you last saw me. Now, I could take great I had this deep crease here, because I used to walk around. You should have seen me when I was 24. I had a deep wrinkled scowl and dark coal eyes. But now I understand the word, the more you're in the word, the spirit searches out your darkness and enlightens you. I actually look better. I really do. I'm convinced. You don't have to be. <laughs> The moment I receive Yahusha, the moment you receive Yahusha as Savior, man, our spirit was lit. We were lit. Absolutely lit. Now, we just have to have Yahweh use our spirits to actually search out all the darkness that we tried to hide to search out in the realm of conquering our souls, the belly of man, where all the appetites reside. But we listen to it, all this new age spirituality and Hollywood spirituality, and what the culture, the culture never wants to hear about the blood, the resurrection, the savior. That kind of spirituality the culture doesn't want to hear about. But you start talking to the culture about the soul and enlightenment, and nirvana, right? That's cool. We can do that. But they want to bypass the Savior. Because without the Savior, you will only ever connect to the soul. And that's as spiritual as they'll ever, ever get. That's it. It's a false spirituality. The message of the resurrected master is so simple because 
He is the only way that your spirit can be lit. Because only Yahweh can touch your spirit, man. All other religions can only transcend the flesh and touch the soul. And then you're dead. And you go to the ground like worms, and that is where you stay. It's such a narrow road. It's so simple. It's so true. Take it from me. I've done all of the other religions, and they only ever touch my soul, and I still had that deep crease in my forehead, and my eyes were still like coals. It's only when I met Yahusha that my spirit got lit, and there was an instantaneous change, and I became good-looking. Like, just like that. It's crazy, Danon. But we all have the temptation. I want to be right. Not so much nowadays, because I realize that I'm always wrong. He's right, I'm wrong, let's be righteous. Simple saying. But I used to want to be right. I used to want to be heard. You used to be want to be right. How many arguments did you have when you went into the Messianic movement, came out of the church, stopped doing Christmas? I bet you argued with everybody. You want to be right. You want to be heard. I want to be this. I want to do that. I want what he has. He wants what I have. Ugly, ugly, ugly. These all stem from the soul. The desires of our flesh, our soul. That's an appetite. It's an appetite for something. I think I'm beyond water. No. This is the new voice for the week. It's as good as it gets. Yahweh's not going to allow me to get up here and talk about crushing the flesh and the soul and have me have a fabulous voice, apparently. I'm going to have to lit it. You can blame, blame this on the croc center. See? My kids went there and spent the day with a bunch of pagans and brought it home. Never have let them go to such places. Just trying to get them to climb a wall and swim, but, you know, be that as it may. But Yahweh truly wants to deal with our appetite, to search out and destroy our soul and flesh, not as in destroy, but allowing it to be ruled and governed by our spirit. That is what Yahweh wants, by igniting a fire within us. Yahweh often, if you read the Bible, doesn't distinguish between our spirit and his spirit, does he? You can open the King Jimmy or the NIV, which I'm sure you've got, Danan, and you don't know whether I'm joking or not, do you? Okay. And you'll find oftentimes in the New Testament that the spirit is S, is capitalized, right? Well, that's a bunch of baloney. There is no grammar in Greek. There's no punctuation. There's no full stops. There's no capitalizations of the word spirit. It's a translator's poor opinion at most. Meaning, Yahweh does not distinguish between his spirit and your spirit once it's been lit. He does not. Religion does. Religion does. Oh, well, that's your lower spirit. Let's capitalize this. No. 
Nonsense, baloney, Greek has no grammar. Read Romans chapter 8. They absolutely make a muck of it. Get five different translations, and there's capitalizations here, there, and everywhere, and it does not correspond because you've got a bunch of funky monks making it up as they're going along. Yahweh does not distinguish between your lit spirit and his spirit. There's no grammar. There is no distinction. Meaning, when we received our new spirit through the regeneration process, simultaneously, we received Yahweh's spirit too. Simultaneously. The moment the human spirit is raised from the state of death, which is when I had that wrinkle. We receive the Holy Spirit, the Ruach HaKodesh. So since the Holy Spirit and our spirits are joined as one, 1 Corinthians 6, 17, right? Often they're indistinguishable. Meaning that your fire is actually from the mountain, which is actually from the heavens. That's powerful. This means Check this out. We just follow my thoughts through, yeah? This means when we allow people to actually contact our spirit in fellowship, thank you, you allow them the opportunity to contact God. That's true evangelism. That's true evangelism. If you're trying to make relationships, can I be real? How many of us have wasted bloody years on relationships with people? You see, I'm the only one that will actually say this stuff because I, I offend people all the time. So... <laughs> How many, I mean, I'm sure I'm the only one, have wasted bloody years on relationships with people where they never allowed you to connect with their spirit? Never! Some of you, it could be your spouses, heaven forbid. They let you connect with their flesh. Um, they let you connect with their souls. Right? Those are wasted opportunities. Those friendships, they need to be let go. If you're not connecting with people, spirits, then those are wasted relationships. You can try but if they don't allow it, they won't allow it, then you need to steward your time better. Nobody else is going to tell you this stuff. I desire that. So don't put me on a pedestal. Because I don't want you just to connect with my flesh and my soul. I want to get intimate. Because I love that with believers. I love that. 
But people that can't connect with me, it's usually because they've put me in a position that I should never have been in. Because they're not connecting with Yahuwah correctly. So therefore, they put me in a place that I should not be just because I get the blessed, amazing job of disseminating and commentating on the Bible and making a bunch of mistakes and having everybody judge me. But I actually love it because it strives me to brokenness. Don will testify. You get broken up a lot after. But it's what you do with it. It doesn't mean that I steward it perfectly. I don't. But I'm definitely learning. Definitely learning. And becoming so much more spiritual through spending time in the book of Job, feeling a bunch of self-pity, and then moving on to other books in the Bible and realizing it's not all about me. <laughs> but I do spend those moments in Job. Yes, that's right. Judge them. Yes. The wrath of Elohim be upon them. That doesn't work very long at all. Because it's humanity, right? Yahweh doesn't work like that. The problems are my problems. And it was because my soul was in the way or my outward man was in the way. Right? Of course, none of you are like that. But so much lost time is spent on those that just let you meet their thoughts. They just let you meet their emotions. They just let you meet their will. What's up with that? So much time is wasted on people that just let you meet their thoughts, their emotions, and their will, which is their soul. Thank you. Have you been like in my word here, reading my notes or something? Iron sharpens iron, brother. I mean, you can visit with them for days, hours, years, and still not meet their spirit. You're like, oh, where is that real person in there? Like, where? Where? Life can't be that good all the time. Sorry. You know? It's like when I talk to my sister, and it's like, everything's perfect. I'm like, no, no, don't believe it. Oh, it's perfect. No. No, it's not. I remember. No, it's not. No, everything's perfect. I live in a palace. Yeah, yeah, no, don't buy that. No, it's perfect. Same with my mom. How's it going, mom? Oh, everything's perfect. Yeah, really? No, no. How are you recovering from that brain hemorrhage? Oh, perfect. Everything's fine, Matthew. It can't be. But it is not, right? Trying to get buried through. See, I grew up around that. That's why I recognized it. Because I don't buy it. So, let's not waste any more of that time. The outer shell has to be penetrated. And if the outer shell is so thick and hard to penetrate, then you'll never reach the inner man. Those relationships need to be let go. Okay, they do. Children, and that's why Yahushua loved the children. Mario, Tamra, my Tamra, thank you so much for all that you guys are doing with the children. They're not here. That sounded wrong, but no, it's not. <laughs> we love the children. 
It did sound dreadful, didn't it? I didn't mean it that way. <laughs> but children are the most transparent in spirit, aren't they? Aren't they? Oh, I love the children. They're so transparent in spirit. It's interesting that history recounts that it was children that were actually, in the Bible, first used to carry and draw the water for the ceremony of the red heifer. That was a very, very kadosh ceremony, the most kadosh, holy of all ceremonies, and children were raised up from birth to carry the waters of the red heifer because they spent their whole life away from that which was unclean. And that enabled them to be in the right status that they were enabled to do that most holy act. Yahuwah wants us to be that way. To step into Kedushah, holiness, and to step away from all that which would make us unclean. 1 Corinthians 2.10 But Elohim hath revealed them unto him, unto us by his Spirit. For the Spirit searcheth all things. Yes, the deep things of Elohim can only be sought by the Spirit. For what man knoweth the things of Elohim, save the spirit of man? And that spirit is in you. Even so, the things of Elohim knoweth no man of Elohim. Spirit. But the spirit which is of Elohim, that we might know the things that are freely given to us by Elohim. Why is it that when we trek through this world, why is it? And you ask these questions, I know I certainly do. Why is it that some people never seem to maintain the blessings of Yahweh? They may have them for a small time, and then they're gone. And you're like, oh. Especially in ministry, you see that. Like, this guy used to be a Torah teacher, and now he's a Buddhist. And I use that as an analogy, because that's the most shocking thing that I've come across in the past year. I'm like, wow, I don't get that one. Lost the blessing there, buddy, right? You and Buddha, I hope you're having some great soul ties there. Not, right? But why is it that some people never seem to maintain the blessings of Yahweh and partake spasmodically or spasmodically in the moves of Yahweh. Simple. The reason is that the spirit man is only permitted the freedom to move spasmodically. Right? They only allow their spirit to come out sometimes. And when the Spirit comes out, they engage with the Spirit of Yahuwah. But then the cares of the world come in, and it's a spasmodic withdrawal. And then the Spirit comes out, and you see, but how come they're not maintaining the blessings of Yahuwah? It's a stony heart. It's a soulish lifestyle. It stems the flow of the Spirit. It prevents the full release. Yahuwah wants us to get the full release of the Spirit. 
And that comes through controlled brokenness. That doesn't mean we just crumble into a ball of uncontrollable hysterics. No. When bad things happen to good people that hurt you, that hurt me, we have to go to the Word. We have to go to prayer. And we have to let the Spirit work in the brokenness to bring out our spirit. But it's a lot easier for me to go to my logic, reason, and intellect, my soul, and fight righteously, as I want to, start calling down the fires from heaven upon those that have done wrong to me. But that's not the spirit, is it? That's a selfish, carnal, sinful lifestyle, which I reject, and I hate that about me. But do I go there? I've been tempted to go there. I've succumbed to those temptations, but I have been delivered and gained the victory through the brokenness, and now I get to teach it because I've qualified and lived it. And there's a good in it. There's a good in it. Because, I think those of you that have been with me for a number of years, and this is a good opportunity to embarrass some people, I do want to just thank Lynn and Greg in the back. Stand up, you guys. They hate this. He's not going to. Lynn and Greg have been so faithful to tour to the tribes and Tamara and me spiritually, for years and years and years, in the, in the midst of it all, when they first came, we met in a little house in Kaiser, and they got their eardrums blown off by shofar-wielding, beard-wearing, knife-carrying zealots behind them. And I'm like, this is crazy land. They are going to think when, they will never, never, ever come back. And they did. And then they got their eardrums blown again the next week. And these were in the crazy days. And they have been a huge support to Torah to the tribe spiritually, emotionally, physically, in all ways. And I give all glory to Yahuwah because without that enduring strength, when I've been weak and Tamara's been weak and we've made mistakes, it's amazing. And I wanted to thank you guys so much, and not just me personally, but all the thousands of people out there that are benefits of this ministry. It's people like that, people like you. So, thank you, and I give Yahweh all the glory. All the glory. All the glory. It's a full release. Hebrews 13, 9. Be not carried away with diverse and weirdo doctrines. I'm not looking at anyone. I'm just joking. For it is a good thing that the heart be established with grace, not with meats which have not profited them that have been occupied therein. We have an altar thereof that they have no right to eat of. 
which serve the tabernacle for the bodies of those beasts whose blood is brought into the sanctuary by the Kohen Haggadah, the high priest for sin, are burned outside the camp. I like having a pencil in my hand. I feel like a conductor. Wherefore, wherefore, Yahushua also, that he may sanctify the people with his own blood, suffered outside the gate. Let us go forth therefore unto him without the camp, bearing his reproach. What are we talking about here? Everything connects back to the heavenlies, of course, which Moshe Rabbeinu got a picture of the heavenlies and ended up building the tabernacle because we just didn't get it. But in the actual temple, way back in 70th Common Era, there was this massive big curtain. It was called the Heckel Curtain or the Outer Veil to the Holy Place only. And it's Hebrews chapter 9, verse 8. It was a huge veil, a massive massive curtain, a cubit is about from your elbow to the tip of your finger. It was 55 of those. It was 55 cubits high, and it was 16 of those wide. That's a serious curtain. And that curtain rent. We know it, right? This could only be seen from the east side of Jerusalem. And you'd have to be in a slightly elevated position. You would have to be right at what's called the Mikpad altar. The altar of the red heifer. Which again, the waters of purification were brought for. Because ultimately the lesson here is when our spirit gets lit by Yahusha, Yahweh wants to rent our veils. He wants to rent our veils. He wants to move this massive 55 cubit by 16 cubit obstacle in your life and my life. We've got this massive obstacle in our life that Yahuwah, when we accept His Son, He wants to rent the veil. A huge curtain that's preventing your and ours growth. It's called your soul. He wants to rent your soul. It takes a brokenness. So, my good friend Deepak Chopra sounds like a nice Indian curry, and I love Indian food. Anyway, he wants to build up your soul because he's actually working against the kingdom of heaven, and he will be with the worms. Okay? But Yahweh does not want to build up your soul. He actually wants to rent that veil because he wants to connect and build up your spirit. So do you see all this new age spirituality is absolute nonsense? It cannot deliver the goods. Only the resurrected master lights the fire of your spirit. And that transcends your flesh and transcends your soul it's the heckle curtain that Yahweh wants to rip. Hebrews 4.12 informs us that Yahweh's word is the only thing in the cosmos that has the ability to divide the soul from the spirit and pierce into the very DNA, the marrow, 
where the blood is made. Think about that. We can't just hear revelation of teaching without adapting the principles of the word into our life. Which is why I want to make connections. Because we have to adapt what we're hearing into our life, right? Me too. Don't fall into the trap of channeling the principles of the Spirit into the listen. When I say listen, I don't mean that condemning like you're not listening. I'm like telling myself to listen, okay? So I don't want you to think, well, talking down to me. I'm not. I'm talking to myself. Got to listen, Matthew, too. We can't fall into the trap because I've done this. And that email I read you this morning about the lady in Florida who was in the Messianic movement and left dry, hopeless, despondent, empty, then came into the understanding of the Malchizedek and her spirit is lit. Why? Because of this. Fall into the trap of channeling the principles of the spirit into the soulish realm. Don't fall into the trap of channeling the principles of the Spirit into the soulish realm. Everything sounds spiritual. You haven't met those people? They've got the spiritual heebie-jeebies. Everything spiritual? Well, no, that's wrong. That's just learned knowledge or principles that were applied through the mind, not Spirit-revealed. There's a difference. Spirit revelation touches another person's spirit because it's connected to Yahuwah. That which is of flesh is of, of the flesh. We have to transcend that, right? Correct me if I'm wrong. You've got a lot of experience there. I don't. <clears throat> Some people may go from one fellowship to another fellowship to another fellowship trying to find some great move of Yahuwah. You've said it as a pastor for 50 years. Where's the next great move? Where's the next great move? They've got no marrow. Of course they're going to go from place to place to place because they've got no marrow. What do I mean? We're connecting this to marrow. And we've already found the Hebrew word and its law of first mention means you'll actually be participating off the fat of the land because there's been a 12-tribe restoration in your life because your spirit has been lit. Those that go from camp to camp, from house to house, from house to house, what's the problem? They've got no marrow, meaning they're not reproducing life. They're just looking for life. The difference they're not reproducing life. They're just looking for life. Did I lose my sound? No, it's still there. Okay. All right. So, I learned so much because of the life of Abraham. That's when all of this Malkitzedic understanding came to me. Understanding the covenant between the pieces. Understanding that that was the beginning. That those pieces were flayed. And then Yahuwah came as a pillar of fire and a burning torch and an oven and, and walked between those pieces. But then I realized that, hang on, that's just the beginning. Now, 
Yahweh wants us as what? Romans chapter 12, what are we? We are living sacrifices and if we're in the new, a new high priest and that we're the children of Abraham, for us to participate and truly enter into that covenant like Abraham before, what has to happen? There has to be a slaying of your flesh and a division of your pieces of which your spirit man can walk through. You have got to divide your flesh and soul and allow your spirit to be the only part awakened that is able to walk through. Then you really are participants of the new covenant. But if you haven't allowed a separation Hebrews 4.12, through the word, then your spirit can't walk through the pieces. Does that make sense? Romans chapter 12, and of course, Hebrews 4 verse 12, tie that in with the covenant of the pieces with Abraham. When we offer up our bodies as a living sacrifice, Yahweh will then, when, walk through the divided parts of our body with his word, with his spirit, and show us how to inherit the next stage of our journey, which is feeding on the fat of the land, the marrow where the DNA is produced. And you can transcend yourself. Your souls. Yes. And the spirits come through their little flesh. What did you say? Hallelujah. Speaking Hebrew already. I love it. Through consistently, Luke 21, 19, through consistently applying the word of Yahweh to our life, we can bring our souls into control of our spirits. We really can. To accomplish great things for Yahweh in a limited amount of time. Or better, to be able to transcend time, you and I need to move from being a single person into a what kind of person? A dualistic person. Forget being a single person, be a dualistic person. What do I mean? With a single person, see, many people come to me and they go, I don't understand how you do it. You've got four kids, you've got a job, and then you do the ministry. And it is crazy at times. But here's, I'll tell you how I do it. I'm not a single person. I'm not talking about the fact that I'm married. I'm not a single person. I continuously strive to be a dualistic person. Because this is what I want us to grasp. A single person, the inner man and the outer man are what? 
They are intertwined, they are knit, and they are bonded together. There's no difference. They're a single person. You can't pierce the veil. You might be married to them. You might have known them 20 years. And you still just can't pierce the veil. Right? They're a single person. They're a single person. Yahweh wants us to master separating the two. Now, wives, husbands, I don't want you to go back and, and try this on your spouses, because then I'm going to be even worse off, okay? Don't try it. Well, Matthew said, you get, into a dom- you get into a domestic at home, don't try that one. I've tried that with my wife. Never worked out. I was reading in the Psalms today, and Yahweh, no, I don't do that anymore. It never works. A single person, the inner man and the outer man, are knit. They are bonded as one, hence they're a single person. But Yahweh wants us to master separating the two, thus walking as a believer, as a dualistic believer, able to transcend space and time. Don't you want to be able to do that? Don't you want to be able to transcend space and time? You see, if a person remains single, their spirit their soul and their flesh, they're just all bonded and mixed together. They cannot transcend time. They simply can't. Impossible. But, Yahweh wants to summon up something different. Because if a person remains single with an inner and outer person as one, then he must, think about it, he must summon up his whole being either into his work at one time or into study at one time or into prayer at one time. And whenever he's working, in whatever he's doing, he's got to throw his whole single person. And the reality of it is, the world is beckoning for your time. So where by default does he spend most of his time? In the world, because he's single. I have a job. I have the most secular job on the planet. I run a cosmetology school with 18 to 22-year-old girls and boys in this crazy world. It can't be more secular. I aim to transcend time time I go to work and I do and it doesn't affect me it simply doesn't I can get amazing things done because of that because I am not throwing my whole into one thing meaning the outer man can actually be broken through by the spirit because going back to this single person They have to be in one thing at a time. Prayer. Work. And whenever they enter into work, they have to leave Yahuwah behind, right? Because they're single. Later when praying or studying, the single person then returns back to Yahuwah, right? So their life is compartmentalized. His outer man has never been broken, so he spends his whole life vacillating between what? 
between launching out in faith and retreating to get his work done or a task done. Launching out, retreating, launching out, retreating. Yo-yo life. Yo-yo life. But you and I are called to be dualistic. And that means that we're able to work with the outward man while remaining constantly before Yahweh. Even when our outer man is doing tasks, we still remain constantly before Yahweh because our spirit is connected to him. That's how I'm enabled to do a lot of stuff. Because even when my outer man is engaged in the most crazy worldly things running my business, my inner man is always before Yahuwah because I'm constantly thinking about the word, prayer, and deed because of my other function, which is to teach and commentate on the Bible. So it's always within me. I've always got that, and I'm able to do many things. Whenever the need arises, my inward man can immediately break through and manifest itself over the outward. Immediately. And I wait for all those opportunities to do that. This is how to enjoy the life of an unbroken presence with Yahweh. And isn't that what we all want? And you can do that by understanding the dualistic principle of flesh, soul, spirit. And even when the flesh is involved in the task, if the spirit has been lit, you can always be before Yahweh, even when your flesh or soul is engaged in tasks, which they're going to be, right? But then when the need comes for the spirit to break through that flesh, you're available to minister immediately. It's not like you're rusty. You're just ready to go. Break through. That's what Yahweh wants for us. I kind of went long. Sorry about that. But I'm just enjoying sharing it in kind of a low stress environment because we're at the Feast of Tabernacles. And it's such a blessing. But this week... I hope we can really focus on understanding that Yahweh has called us to be dualistic. Praise Yah for that.